Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by Evo. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. And I am so excited, thrilled beyond belief to be joined again by my good friend, colleague, best dad joker out there, NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko. Maddie. What's up? How what are you? Happening? Nothing much. I just, um, did you hear about this fisherman who started dating a mermaid? No. Yeah, apparently they met online. <laughs> oh, okay. that one took... Uh, <laughs> took me a second but the the thing with jokes that are great the best ones are always when you have to explain yeah that one's really a complex <laughs> really high level joke Maddie, what's going on yeah. tracy i saw you on your home turf you did sunday in los angeles and I, it was a quick up and back trip for me i was in my own bed in the bay area at 11 p.m um, and then we had an early morning Kyle Shanahan on Monday giving us the full injury update, which is it was too early for him to have any updates. <laughs> too early to tell, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So it's on to the New York Giants. On to the New York Giants. I love an on to. So thank you very much. You really know your audience when you come on this pod, Maddie. I'm sure. You I'm, I can't wait for whenever whoever the 49ers play the week before the Bengals, so everybody can say we're on the Cincinnati. Can't wait. You know, and I I have a regret that I'm going to say out loud that I have not, I don't think I've ever voiced. And so you guys and Maddie get excited. In 2019, the 49ers played the Buccaneers to start the season and Cincinnati was week two. And I think I actually said to you, if they beat the Buccaneers, it's a good game. I'm going to say to Jimmy Garoppolo, are you on to Cincinnati? And then in the press conference, I kind of chickened out. And I don't know why, because I've, I've, I've regret ever since. I feel like Eric Branch could have gotten away with it. Yeah. I, I could have too. Oh, that's right. He, and Jimmy would have gotten the joke because there's no Belichick. And yeah. 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 Okay. It's a regret. Although Jimmy is also so far removed from anything, really, that that might have just gone over his head, too. It might have. Though I feel like in 2019, he might have gotten it. But you know what? True. I didn't do it. I think it's one of the life regrets I'm going to have to get through and move on from. Can't can we talk that. about, can, I know I, this is just a segue <laughs> for Jimmy Garoppolo, but can we talk a little bit about him? We sure can. And, because and the, quarter, it's a the quarterback sneaks. Yeah, the yes. quarterback sneaks. Like he was always so good on those quarterback sneaks. And I I mean, there was some stat. It was like, wasn't he like 22 of 22 or something? Yeah. I think he was ended up being 23 of 24. 23 of 24 on short yardage sneaks, mm-hmm. goal line or just fourth and one, third and one or whatever. And he used to joke with us, but I don't know if it was a joke. Like, what's the secret to it? And he was he would say, like, yeah, there there is a secret to it, but I can't tell you because then the defense would know. Mm-hmm. And then and then on Sunday after the game, Brock Purdy did his first ever quarterback sneak for a touchdown anyway with mm-hmm. the 49ers, and he scored. And then he said about, yeah, we tried to figure out what Jimmy's secret was, but maybe there is no secret. And then I, I blurred out, well, he said there was a secret. So are you saying he didn't even tell you? So I don't know. I kind of, I've had fun with that. I thought that was quite amusing that Jimmy has, you know, Jimmy's not the most um, uh, available mm-hmm. via text message to his teammates even. 
And so I, I kind of got amused at just the mere thought that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo has developed this secret to quarterback sneaking that he refuses to sh- share with anybody, including apparently his own offensive linemen, his own coaches, and certainly the other quarterbacks on the depth chart. It's like a trade secret. It's like behind, <laughs> behind nuclear codes. And sadly, it did not help our good friend, Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo, on Sunday. I think they would have had to do a lot more sneaking, lot sneaking. to uh, make up for that 28-point <laughs> deficit. That's a lot of sneaks. However, if it works, I feel like you just keep going every play. Yeah, sneak. <laughs> I'm thinking if you're only doing quarterback sneaks, you're going to end up with a lot of fourth and sixes. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I mean, I am not an expert quarterback sneaker, and Jimmy did not tell me the secret either, but I feel like it'd be hard to sneak four yards. But that was an amusing exchange, and I always actually really like the exchanges. You know, Brock Purdy is very serious. He's great but he's very serious, very football focused. But I do feel like recently getting him to laugh a little bit, smile. Actually, even yesterday I was standing in the tunnel, you know, everybody's coming out and he comes out. Normally he never acknowledges that we're there, not in a bad way. He's just, you know, very focused. And he looks at me and he's like, Hey, (laughs) Hey, it it was just, just, Hey, but it wasn't normally it's like, like, hey, and a smile, like an acknowledgement. And I, for those of you listening, you didn't see that hand motion that I made, which was very focused is what I'm saying. And it was like, I don't know, we have seen him kind of smile a little bit, laugh. It's nice to see a little bit of his personality coming out more and more. Yeah, we see it. I mean, I think we've seen the personality whenever they've made a big play or he scrambles for first down, he'll, he'll do some stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it appears to me like he's having a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh probably about the least well i guess that's easy to do when you freaking win every game that you play yeah uh, other than of course the one where he could not throw a football yeah. i guess he could have thrown it left-handed but um and he did manage to complete all four of his passes that game but okay. um yeah they've done a lot of winning with him and i i think it maybe it goes both ways like you win because you're having fun, but you're having fun because you're winning. So it's kind of that that chicken and the egg thing. Well, I think back to the Seahawks teams, those 2014, 2015 teams. One thing about them, even if they weren't all getting along all the time, and I think we know some of them weren't, they did look like they were having a lot of fun every week. And then I think you're right. It is a chicken and the egg thing. But um, he does seem to be having a good time. They're having a good time with him. Sunday, we'll talk briefly about that. And then we are as you said, on to the New York Giants, but not to be confused with the San Francisco Giants, which I don't try, I try not to talk about too much on this podcast for obvious reasons. Well, this but is a fair. San Francisco sports podcast, so you should be talking all sports San Francisco. It's the Tracy Sandler show, 
So I talk 49ers, <laughs> Dodgers, and Michigan. Now, see, that's just a, there's no reason any 49er <laughs> fan should be a fan of the Dodgers. Absolutely. That being said, I, you know, pick and choose my battles. I don't. Okay, let's go on to the New York Giants. We're on to New York, except we're not because we have talked about the Rams really. Oh, okay. We're they, on they, to the New York, the, to the LA Rams. Yeah, on to the LA Rams very briefly. A little bit of a test for the 49ers. It's, I mean, it's hard to talk about a test in week two. Week one, they looked like maybe the greatest football team of all time with the greatest defense of all time. Came back a little bit down to earth, but one and I, I would, I would like to say, I don't know why I introed that that way because obviously I'd like to say it because I'm about to say it, but I do think that these games are good for Brock Purdy because a lot of them have just been so easy. Not the Philadelphia game where they took his elbow, but a lot of the games have been like pretty easy and the defense is rolling and all the playmakers are making the plays. And this one was a little bit of a test against a division rival, of course, in a stadium that is like a home stadium for the 49ers when they go to SoFi, but. Still think it's a good game. A lot was made of the overthrows. Kyle Shanahan seems pretty unconcerned, at least publicly, with the overthrows, but maybe something to keep an eye on. But I don't know if now we're just nitpicking Brock Purdy. Well, I mean, uh, nitpicking. Yeah, I, I guess so. But also, you know, this is one of those games where, yes, he he made the three throws that he could have easily made, and each one of them could have been a touchdown. Right. Um, the thing that Kyle Shanahan pointed out afterward was a lot of those throws he didn't expect him to make, meaning mm-hmm. they were either so far down in the progression or the look that they got defensively didn't lead in itself to those throws. And so he almost kind of looked at, I think the last two plays, the one to Jennings and the one to Samuel as plays that were just kind of, you know, found money in the, in the seat cushion. And of course they, they didn't capitalize on those plays, but I think a lot of times when, even when Brock Purdy has had good games, I think you can say this about any quarterback, like even when he's had really good statistical games, there have been one or two plays where if something else had occurred, it could have ended up in a turnover, you know, whether it's the defensive back getting their hands on the ball or or whatever the case may be. Um, that didn't happen on Sunday. Like there were no near misses. Like, I, it, you know, other than the three passes, it seemed to me like it was a very sharp game for mm-hmm. Purdy and he, he made some good throws and you know he didn't have any touchdown passes but you know there was that that one I guess it's called a long handoff to Debo Samuel where he turned that into an 11 yard touchdown so I, I would I would think that probably coming out of this game you know the 49ers feel even better or at least Kyle Shanahan feels even better about his ability Brock Purdy's ability to just run the offense the way Shanahan wants it to be run. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, it looked like I saw someone say, you know, I think it was George Kittle said, oh, you know, a few of those balls sailed on him. And I, I don't think he meant it that like to me, sail means the ball's coming out of the hand mm-hmm. weird and just kind of maybe it's a floater or just took off. I just, it looked like those throws were beautiful throws. I mean, it looked like nice spirals and, and he threw them where, you know, 
they they looked clean coming out of his hand. They were just overthrown. You know, last week we do well on NBC Sports Bay Area. We do a thing, 49ers overreactions, and one of the the first overreaction last week was Brock Purdy's arm strength. Uh, he looks like he's not throwing the ball very well, and he can barely get it there. And now, you know, I'm expecting the next overreactions to be Brock Purdy's arm is too strong. He needs to, he needs to tone it down. So anyway, I, th- I think after it's a great situation for the 49ers to be in mm-hmm. where, you know, both offensively and defensively the last two weeks, there have been plays that they can improve on and they weren't perfect. And uh, you don't expect any team to ever be perfect, but certainly not weeks one and two of the regular season, but coming out of those kind of imperfect games were two road victories. So I mean, I, it's a long season, man. It's a lot. I mean, think about, I mean, they still have 15 more regular season games to go. And then potentially, I think everybody expects them to be in the playoffs and then how many ever games from there. But I mean, teams change so much from beginning to end. And I just got to think through two games, 49ers are exactly where they want to be. And they've gotten out to their fast start, which is something we heard a lot in training camp that Kyle Shanahan preached not to put themselves in a three and four, three and five hole again. But as you said, two games, two wins. So Thursday, they're on a short week. Thursday, they welcome to the New York Giants to Levi Stadium. I always say that like they welcome them, like they're standing there. Yeah, come on in here, take your shoes <laughs> off. You Let's show you Help what yourself. <laughs> Anything in the fridge. <laughs> it's all yours. But they, they, I'm still going to say they welcome the New York Giants to Levi Stadium. It's their home opener. You know, short week, Thursday night football. It was nice that they were um, not, they did a road game, but it wasn't far on Sunday. So there wasn't a ton of travel. So the New York Giants, one and one, week one got just destroyed by the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Just destroyed. Looked like it was going that way Sunday. They come back and beat the Cardinals. I want to say in a big victory, but it's a week two victory over the Cardinals. But there's a big difference between 0-2 and 1-1, and I suppose. Yeah, so, it's one, one game. Yeah. It's one game. It is. But it's, it sounds, I feel like it sounds really different. No, you're, you're, you're right. a Giants fan, you'd be like, oh, yeah. And what makes it a big victory, I think, for them is that they were down 20 to nothing. Yes. They were down, what, 28 to 7, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and win that game. So, you know, the Cardinals are not a good team. Maybe they're a little bit better than, than the 0 and 17 prediction I made for them to start the season. <laughs> Maybe, but, Maybe. Uh, but they haven't proved it yet. So until yeah. they get a, a win, um, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns there. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, it was a huge, I mean, this is a team that made it to the playoffs last year. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they they haven't looked good the first two weeks of the season. Now they they traveled obviously to Arizona to play the Cardinals, and then they're staying in the desert. Well, not in the desert. They're staying in the Phoenix area. They're not. I'm sure they're practicing on something other than sand. I uh, like the idea of them in the desert. Like, yeah, yeah, like like Danny. Bringing- Throw it to the cactus and let's see how it goes. They're bringing canteens out to them to 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 stay hydrated. But then, so they'll stay in the time zone. I get my time zones Arizona confused because Arizona doesn't switch um, between Standard Time and Daylight Savings Time. So I, I forget which which time zone they're on. It's that doesn't matter. But what does matter is they're just it's a short trip up here to the Bay Area. So they don't have to do that full cross country thing in order to play the 49ers on a short week. 
I'm just wondering if we should turn this con- this podcast, if I should make it a time zone podcast, if that's what we should be talking about week after uh, week. You know what? The, uh, for a certain segment of the population, they would probably find that fascinating. But I have a feeling that that particular segment of the population knows far more about time zones than you or I. Correct. Very true. And I think we might lose some of the football fans who are like, I don't want to hear any more about time zones. But you know, I'm just throwing it out there as a positive. Very niche. It'd be very niche. So the 49. You know what? More talk of the time zone. One of the like fans often ask me a lot about like the travel. Uh 49ers will always travel if they're traveling more than one time zone away. Yep. They'll always travel on Friday for a Sunday game. Correct. But most teams coming from the East Coast will travel day before the game. So even though, I mean, you're saving those hours, those three hours traveling east to west. But I remember Kyle Shanahan early on, I think it was his first year, told me that he never thought it was a big deal traveling time zones because he had always been on the eastern Mm -hmm. side of it. But his first year with the 49ers, he realized how big of a deal it was. And that's why the 49ers continued to travel on Fridays for Sunday's games. Well, I think that 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 is interesting. I think people do ask those questions and they're interested. I think we may have exhausted all the time zone talk, but we may not have. So let you know what? Time will tell. And later in the season, when they have one o'clock games starting at 10 a.m., like in Cleveland, that kind of thing, which I, be, I don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure that's the time thing for Cleveland. Thank you, right. Um, that kind of stuff does come into play. But yeah. would you like to have me back when that happens so we can absolutely. talk more about this? Yeah, so you, you guys, Maddie will be back for week five. You've all heard him just commit to doing it. Because he'll be back for week five. I'm sorry, not week five, week six. Week six, yeah. Week five is the Cowboys game. Yep. Time, they will be in the Bay Area in their own time zone. The Cowboys will be two hours earlier than they're used to. But we'll have you back for week six and we'll talk time zones. And honestly, I cannot wait. But All right, Tracy. Well, it's been good joining you on the We're not done yet, my friend. Oh, we're not done. (laughs) We're not done yet. In the interim, I want to talk just a little bit about Thursday and kind of what, in your opinion... The 49ers, what things they need to do to improve? I have some thoughts, but you are my guest, so I'm going to let you go first. What do they need to improve? Well, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, I think it's just coming off of the game on Sunday. Defensively, uh, you know, more pressure on the quarterback. I, You know, I didn't see too many. I, here's the one thing where I think the 49ers are overrated. Everybody talks about this great defensive line of theirs and this tremendous mm-hmm. pass rush. I don't see it. I think it's yeah. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like the worst. I think it's closer to the middle of the pack though than I think yeah. it's closer to the top. They have Nick Bosa. He's he's really good. But as we saw uh, the first two games of the season really, you take care of Nick Bosa and there's not a whole lot of juice on that pass rush. Yeah. Drake Jackson's three sacks, I'm not taking anything away from him because those are effort sacks. But he didn't get there on the first move. He got there because the play, the coverage was good on the back end. Kenny Pickett held the ball. In some cases, Kenny Pickett moved toward Drake Jackson. And Drake Jackson stayed with it. Kudos to him. And he got some sacks. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at uh, Javon Hargrave, he's a guy who was averaging, you know, three, four sacks a season. And then the last two years with the Eagles, 
that jumped up. I think he had seven and a half sacks one year, 11 sacks last year, but he had a tremendous defensive line around him and far better than the 49ers. They had like four or five guys in double digit sacks and Eric Armstead, really good player. Everybody would love an Eric Armstead on their team, but he had the one season where he got a lot of sacks. So I think people are really overestimating just how good the 49ers defensive line is as far as getting after the quarterback, where I do think that they are very good is that they can roll eight, nine guys into the lineup and they don't lose much. I mean, obviously they would lose a lot if, if Bosa is not on the field, but you know, they're able to just put fresh bodies in and kind of stay with it. But um, I, I just think that all this talk about, you know, the 49ers defensive front or their pass rush being so great. I, I just, I don't think, I don't see that. I, I think that probably the most underrated element of them is their defensive backfield. Um, I, I think Charvarius Ward and I think Diamador Lenore are very good. And they now they might have some issues you know, with kind of figuring out the nickelback situation and maybe, you know, maybe it is Lenore sliding in and Ambry Thomas staying outside the second half of the game Sunday against the Rams. It was Isaiah Oliver who made some big plays both in the passing game and in run support. So I I think that everybody thinks the, the, the strength of the 49ers defense is their front four. Um, I think it might be, I mean, well, the strength is the linebacker core, obviously, right. with Fred Warner and, and Dre Greenlaw. But I, I almost think that man for man, the defensive backfield is better than the defensive line. And I'm glad you brought up Charit Various Ward and Deandre Lenore because I think they've both had really good games last two weeks. And Lenore gets a lot of, I think he gets a lot of flack from the fans, and I don't know why. I think Lenore is a really good corner, and he's proven he's a really Does good Does he get flack? I know he got, I mean, I know he got the, you know, he had the unnecessary roughness penalty. Um, But man, I mean, ever since, I mean, he was, teams went after him a bit in the regular season last year after he took over for Emmanuel Mosley, but he was really good in the playoffs. He was excellent. I think he's been really good the last two weeks. He gets a little, he gets a little, I'm just, he gets some. Um, And I think that also, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think here's why I think, cornerbacks and offensive linemen, unless you're Trent Williams, will always get flack from their fan base because people don't study those guys. People don't look at them every play. And every team's fan base thinks that their offensive line is the worst and that their cornerbacks are the worst. Why? Because I saw our quarterback get sacked and that's on the offensive line. How dare they allow a sack of our quarterback? And then also, oh, they scored a touchdown. They completed a third and 12 pass against our cornerback. Our, our cornerback sucks. You know, so it's, it's the thing. Those are such difficult positions to play and very few guys can do it at a high, high level. So everybody just thinks that that their particular offensive line or their particular cornerback situation is the worst in the league without looking around and seeing, oh, man, you want to see an offensive line that stinks? Whoa, check out those teams over there. And the same goes for the cornerbacks. And, you know, Traverius Ward made a comment last year. This is one of my, like, favorite quotes from a player ever. Uh, last year after the Carolina game, and then he was asked, you know, how did their – 
How did their receiver complete that pass? How did they get a touchdown? And he said, you know what? They're millionaires too. It's one of my favorite lines ever. Yeah, that's good. It's a really good line, but also they are, they're going to also complete passes. They're yeah. going to make catches. You're that's the thing is when that happens, do you stop it? Like how, how bad is it? Whatever it is. And I, I do think Diameter Lenore has been really excellent and maybe doesn't necessarily get the credit though. His coach, his head coach yesterday on Sunday said that he thought he was one of the best players on the field on Sunday. And that's pretty high praise from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, no, I think, I, again, I, I think, you know, where would you rather have, you know, the other team's pass defense? No. I mean, or, I you know, or, or, you know, what, what I'm saying is that, you know, coming out of that game, I heard a lot of people talking about how great Matthew Stafford was. And man, it looks like he's back to form and this and that. And then also the talk came coming out of the same game was Brock Purdy missed those three passes. Well, you know, take a look at the stats. I'd rather, much rather have Brock Purdy's stat line than Matthew Stafford's stat line. And, and the same just goes for the first two weeks of the regular season where, you know, the, the Steelers and the Rams only averaged 5.3 yards per pass attempt. That is not great. And, you know, they're, the 49ers opponent passer rating is like 67 or something. That's horrible. Um, and so uh, I think people need to kind of keep it in perspective a little bit about what truly is good and what isn't good. And through two games, uh, the 49ers pass coverage has been very good. And three of those interceptions, three of the 49ers, four interceptions have come from cornerbacks, mm-hmm. Lenore, Ward, and Oliver. And you mentioned Isaiah Oliver, who had the interception yesterday, had a great, had a really good game yesterday, probably the best game we've seen from him, of course, only week two, but he really struggled a little bit in the preseason, which I think also with the preseason, I mean, getting used to a new defense, who knows, but I would imagine that in a perfect world, I could be wrong here, but in a perfect world, Isaiah Oliver is the nickel corner, which is what they brought him to Santa Clara to do. And they have Ward and Lenore on the outside. And then that's their core group for the most part, I would imagine. And I think it seems that maybe Sunday was a step towards getting there. I would think so. I mean, that is because that way there's just less moving around, less fewer moving parts. Because mm-hmm. you can keep Lenore on the outside uh, for all downs. And then you just plug in Isaiah Oliver to, to come in there. So, yeah, that, that certainly to me would be the, the most optimum situation for the 49ers. I mean, they went out and got Isaiah Oliver because Steve Wilkes said that he felt like he was basically the best nickel back out there. And then it sure seemed like they, they soured on him pretty early on and kind of threw open the, the, the gates to have a competition at that whole spot or just to kind of figure out how they wanted to work their nickel coverage. And, you know, we've seen it both ways week one, uh, and week two with, with, uh, you know, Lenore playing nickel and Oliver playing nickel and then Ambry Thomas coming in and playing on the outside. I guess their their depth is a bit, a little bit, you know, took a little bit of a hit with yeah. Samuel Womack going on IR with the knee injury. Uh, so they are a little bit thin there. There's no question. And they hope to get Darrell Luter back. But what, what's a rookie who didn't have any training camp? What's he going to be able to, to provide the team right. remains to be seen. But um yeah, I mean, there, there's, I, th- I think probably all positions. I, can't, I mean, other than maybe running back, 
But you do have the, the best running back in the league right now in Christian McCaffrey. But that might be the position where, gosh, there's there's really no, I mean, they, they're fine as far as depth. I mean, they they went to the NFC Championship game with Elijah Mitchell carrying the ball 27 times for it seemed like almost every game down the stretch of that 2021 season. And then, you know, a year later, uh, they bring in Christian McCaffrey and now you can't even find Elijah Mitchell on the field and he's a good running back. So, you know, with him, with, with Jordan Mason and with Ty Davis price, who we really haven't seen in a game situation for the Irons feel very good about that, the depth at that position. I don't think they have a, another spot on the team that has that kind of depth. And it's tough to, when you have so many high price players at, Mm -hmm. at pretty much every position at both levels of the offense and the defense. You asked Kyle a really good question on Monday about that because we never saw Elijah Mitchell on the field in Sunday's game against the Rams. And he did make a comment that they have to do a better job of getting him in there and spreading around the workload a little bit and that it was on him to to make sure that it is the assistant coaches, but he should have noticed. So it'll be interesting to see if that's something, especially Thursday on a short week, do we see a lot more Elijah Mitchell to kind of manage Christian McCaffrey's workload? Because as you mentioned earlier, we're two games in and it is a very long season and you want to make sure Christian McCaffrey is as fresh as he can be down the stretch here. Yeah, and I don't see why. It shouldn't be that difficult. I look at, I don't watch a lot of NBA, but it seems like, Every team kind of has their rotation, you know, set up kind of pre-planned, like whatever it is with three minutes left or four minutes left in the first quarter, you know, this starter goes out and he returns with whatever, eight minutes left in the second quarter and he finishes the half. And the same thing for the second half or a different situation there. But I mean, I, I just don't see why they can't just go in with a plan of, you know, McCaffrey gets the first two series of the game. You know, Mitchell comes in for the third, you know, you just, and it's not just keeping a guy fresh from game, you know, one to 17. It's also through the course of a game, you know, McCaffrey, as good as he is and as good as he was on Sunday, probably, you know, there's, there's a point of diminishing returns where at some point, if if he's just being overworked and playing a hundred percent of the snaps, he's not going to be as good in the fourth quarter as he would have been if they had spotted him two or three series of of rest or just take a playoff. Like, I'm still amazed. He had a 51-yard run. Mm -hmm. It finishes with a a, a kind of a violent stiff arm to Akella Weatherspoon. They go down in in a heap. They roll around. Weatherspoon gets up and is barking at McCaffrey. McCaffrey's doing the same thing. And McCaffrey stays in the game. Like, how exhausted must he have been after a 51-yard run, but yet mm-hmm. he stayed in the game? And that would have been a perfect opportunity. Like, anytime Christian McCaffrey rips off a, a 15, 20-yard run, there's no reason why Elijah Mitchell shouldn't have his, his helmet buttoned up and ready to go in there. So, anyway, I, I think, Tracy, is what you're getting at is I brought this to Kyle Shanahan's attention. And Mm -hmm. now they're going to have a plan to make sure that Elijah Mitchell gets on the field for whatever that number is, 10, 15, 20 Mm -hmm. snaps a game. In fact, every time Elijah Mitchell gets on the field Thursday, we're going to call it the Matt Mayoko snap. Yeah, I would fully expect Elijah to look up in the press box and point and 
Thanks, yeah. Daddy. Yeah. Appreciate you. <laughs> this, this touch is for you, my friend. Yeah, there we go. Say, well, easy, easy there. That could be that could get some people in trouble. Saying <laughs> but, this touch is for you. Football, and then he goes oh. running into the end zone, and then he gotcha. points up again. This was for you, Matt Mayoko. There we go. Gonna <laughs> be great. It I can't. Could, it could. It could happen. It could. I, for one, am very excited <laughs> for Thursday now. Like I was, you know, I like a Thursday night game. It's yeah. kind of fun. Prime. Actually, I take that back. I think Thursday night games have a variety of issues, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I but you know what? From time. our standpoint, I like them because it's just yes. a less. It's a. It's, yeah. It means we got the weekend off. Yep. It means less of the kind of the stuff where you have to kind of make up stuff to write about during the. It, it just gives my yeah. brain a a rest. So, uh, two Thursday games this year for the yep. 49ers. And I know this is the first year the teams can be flexed to Thursday night. Right. But I don't, but I don't think that that won't happen for the 49ers. I actually, already have. And I thought, I thought I could be totally wrong. I thought the rule was since they already have two, they can't be flexed. Well, that's what I'm saying. It won't oh, happen for okay. the 49ers because they already have the two. So, um, yeah, we'll be uh, spending a Turkey, Turkey day. We'll turn ducking up in Seattle this year. Uh, I'm going to go back to that in a second because it's going to allow me to bring up something that it's kind of shocking that 34 minutes in the podcast, I have not said this name yet. But first, I just want to say at the time of recording, there was no update on Brandon Ayuk and his left shoulder. He did go back in and out of the game. So Kyle Shanahan on Sunday was not super concerned about being long-term, but I am curious to see if they do choose to keep him out on Thursday when we get more of an update. So I just want to say that in case you're listening and you're like, they haven't talked about Brandon Ayuk. Well, we don't have anything to talk about yet at the time of recording, but you brought up the Turkey Day game, and this is why I'm bringing it up, because we're going to be in Seattle, mm-hmm. and then one of the people on this podcast, maybe both, but I think just one of the people on this podcast, the next morning will be flying to Detroit for the Michigan-Ohio State game in Ann Arbor. I'm very excited because I don't know, that's a lot of confluence of events for like the Niners to play on a Thursday and the game to be in Arbor, Ann Arbor is going to be able to go. But this leads me to Jake Moody and his 57-yard touchdown on Sunday. Go touchdown? Go. I'm sorry. Whoa, did I miss something? <laughs> Field goal. Field goal. I mean, okay. I'm sure he could have scored a 57-yard touchdown if you Okay, tried. so here, here's my goal. thing. We can talk about Jake Moody. Okay, but he, the guy has a strong leg, right? He does. Okay, why doesn't he just kick a touchback every time on kickoffs? Well, that I think me. Well, here's my thing. This was day one of that. It, yeah, on Sunday. So I feel I like. Look, but he did it. Why can't he just do it every time? That that is like to me. And I, I I know there are special teams coaches who are like, oh, we're gonna try to outsmart the opposition by doing a high kickoff and landing it inside the five yard line. And I'm thinking that is the dumbest thing. Like. The best thing yeah. that could, the best thing that could happen if you're the kicking team and you're allowing the team to run it back is if you save five yards. Right. That's the, true. the other team starts at the or whatever six yards. The other team starts at the 19 yard line instead of the 25. Right. But the risk reward is so great. The worst thing that could happen: the other team scores a touchdown. That's pretty darn bad. That's and, true. And it just it just boggles my mind. But no, Moody looks. Boy, he looks so unsure of himself in the preseason. And I realize it's just the preseason, but I started to think like, oh my God, what's this guy all about? When when he just didn't, I mean, he looked overwhelmed even by that game-winning field goal at the end of one of those preseason games where he barely, 
barely even, you know, made it and snuck it inside the, the right upright. So it just looks like their mechanics are a lot better with Tabor Pepper and yeah. Mish Wisnowski, and he's striking the ball well. And um, yeah, so far, he's the best kicker in the history of the 49ers, has not missed. No, he's not. And we're going to not would keep it that way. Maddie knows that my professionalism has fully gone out the window when it comes to Jake Moody. I'm very biased on this. Now, do you like, do you know him well? Do you? I mean, I feel like I've gotten to know him since he got to the floor. I would, well, would probably be strong. We're not like okay. hanging out on the weekends. Well, we're both working on the weekends, but we're not hanging out anytime. We don't like hang out. Everybody's but... working for the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend. But as a fan. Was that Lover? Was that Lover Boy? Who was that that sung that song? I think so. Okay. Anyway. We can get back. We in week six, we'll come back to you with an answer for that. And sure. we're gonna find out what time zone they lived in. So make sure you come back in for that. But as a Michigan fan and went uh, an alum, Jake Moody, Money Moody was like I mean, he was just incredible. And there's a game specifically against Illinois when we were in Colorado Springs, which the Michigan loses Blake Corum in the first half. That game is much closer than it needed to be. It was I mean, like much closer. They almost lost it. Uh, And it was the week before Ohio State and he kicks the game winning field goal. It it was epic. And Magic Moody, Money Moody, the TCU game semifinal, very little, very few good things happened that game. But Jake Moody kicked a 59 year field goal. So as a Michigan fan, I am a big Jake Moody fan. And then I kept saying for months they were going to draft him at 99 and kept telling everybody he's magic and he's money. You said at 99? I did. I said it. You had the predicted radio podcast. It's all over the place. 99. I said it. 99. I think I had him. Uh, I did have them picking him as well, but it might've been at, let's see what they have. Nine, did they have 99, 101 and 99, I think it was 99, one, uh, 101 and 102. And then they might've traded 101 or one of those up to help them get Jerry Brown. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so what do you want me to say about Jake Moody? No, there's that. So that just was it. I just want to talk about how great he is. Just acknowledge his greatness. Yeah, basically. And the 57-yard field goal slash yeah, touch, I, depending on your perspective. Here's <laughs> what I think. I mean, after we've seen Jake Moody now for two games in the regular season, I, I still think, what the heck were the 49ers thinking? Taking him where they did. Why didn't they trade up to get him in the second round? How could you have taken that chance of letting his, you know, I mean, it worked out for them, but Mm -hmm. people should be fired that they didn't pick him earlier. I agree because no one else is making that 57-yard field goal. Like, no one else. Well, I mean, there was only one guy in the field kicking it. (laughs) Fair. But still, let me say, Brock Purdy's been great. He wasn't making that 57-yard goal. Although, man, his his legs are like (laughs) darn near... Nick Bosa, Ian. That's true. Bosa could it. Yeah, Bosa could do it. Maybe Bosa could do it. I don't know. I so don't anyways, that was it. I just really wanted to bring him up because I hadn't brought him, brought him up yet, which was very unlike me. And um, also, I just like that people acknowledge his greatness. And now he has his home opener on Thursday with the rest of the team, of course. Just... You realize just how horribly wrong kickers can, can go just at a moment's notice. But I appreciate you. Uh, let, let's just say, can't predict the future, but through two games, he's been, he's other than the kick out of bounds, yeah. he's, he's been very good. Yep. So there's that. So go blue is basically the point to this whole, this whole thing. That's the reason you brought me here? Just so I could 
<laughs> yeah, just your audience for that point. Uh-huh. Um, and go blue. But that that's really I have to say on that. So that was exciting for Jake Moody. Speaking yeah. of blue, did you hear the one about the fisherman and the mermaid? Oh no, I already told you that one. <laughs> they met online. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, I think with that, we started with the joke. I think we end with the joke. The same joke, by the way. Same joke. Yeah. Same joke. Uh, we were in a really good Monday mood. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. You are welcome. What was the what I had a what was the one? Oh, I made you laugh. Of course, that's not a big accomplishment. <laughs> I laugh pretty much every joke. But the uh, the Rams have a defensive back named uh, Russ Yeast, and I <laughs> and I said, yeah, he's a he's a he's a really good culture guy. Yeah, that did make that. Just thinking about it has made me laugh yeah. all over again. Yeah, thank you. Oh, that was good. that and your booster joke were great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, with the seats, week one were really low, and I said I need a booster. And I said, Tracy, you're doing amazing. It just yeah, keep, keep it up, it. Tracy. I'm rooting for you all the way. That was I'm I'm your biggest booster. Yeah. So this I little- even got booed down. Even the 49ers PR staff like almost started throwing like rotten tomatoes at me for that one. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but yeah, the 49ers PR staff found you yeah. to be. I believe Chris- Corey shook his shook his head. Kristen and Zach were none too amused by that one. No, they were not. I can't remember if Corey heard it, but I feel like I saw him shaking his head. But you yeah. know what? I appreciate you, Maddie. So Thank just you. That. Just remember that. You guys, Maddie's going to tell you where, where you can find him. So tell everybody. Right here. Oh, you mean like, um, um, <laughs> well, you can find me at NBC Sports Bay Area. If you are in the Bay Area, you can watch 40 hours pre and post game live before, an hour before, and immediately following every game. And I'm I go live about like five minutes right after the game is over. So switch the channel. And then, of course, because I was told from an early age that people who listen to podcasts, early listen, they listen to podcasts. Yeah, so therefore, true. I'm grabbing your audience and saying, come on, if you have more time in your in your day, uh, listen to 49ers talk. You can get it anywhere you get your podcast. And it's me and Jennifer Lee Chan. And we have a Ask Greg Papa segment uh, during the week. So uh, there it is. That's where you can find me. Uh, you guys, you can find me on Twitter, X, whatever it's called, Tracy FGSN, Instagram at Tracy Sandler. You can find all of our content at FGSN.com. We are brought to you by FIVO. We are brought to you by Bet Online. You liked what you heard, and how could you not have with all the good jokes that are in this episode? Please yeah. give us a five star rating and a positive review. And with that, I'll talk to you next time. Bye, all. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.